This is a Warminster Community Radio podcast. Welcome to Around Warminster. This episode is entitled Leader of the Pack, as I'll be talking to the Mayor of Warminster for much of it. As always, we've got the last seven days of news with our Newsweek team. And later on in the podcast, the first in our series of interviews about fostering in Wiltshire. But first, each month, the Mayor of Warminster, Councillor Philip Keeble, is going to join me in the studio to talk about wide-ranging local matters. For this month, we focus on toad patrols, which we've talked about on this programme before, the Boar Hill development, will it, won't it get the go-ahead, and the Town Council's budget for the year ahead. The precept is now set for for the next year, April onwards. And um, you know, as, as has been mentioned before, you know, it's a, it's a below inflation rise, which we're quite quite uh, pleased to be able to achieve so mm. so yeah yes and still i mean it, it's it's good considering there's so many services that the, the council has now taken on absolutely absolutely and I, I i just think you know that that points to good good management of the budget and keeping everything under control and um not letting things run away and um so yeah we're able to keep our finances in check and and um even though the cost of those services is going up, and uh, but yeah, we've managed to keep the uh, the uh, preset rise below inflation. So I, th- I think that's a job well done. Hmm. And uh, one uh, another matter that was discussed at the council meeting was the the toads, the which toads. Um, uh, is uh, an issue that that uh, we've got campaigners uh, working hard to try to get the the road closed. Just explain what what the council decided to do there. Okay. Um, well, there was a proposal to um, close the road for for four weeks um, from, I think, from February the fourteenth you know, for for four weeks, um, which is the toad migration season. Um, and there was a uh, an online uh, survey um, which was uh, in favour of closing the road. Uh, however. Um, Whilst that was in favour of closing the road, the cost to the Warminster Council would be in the region of ten to fifteen thousand pounds, just to ask Wiltshire Council to look at it. And the feedback we've had from Wiltshire Council Highways is, um, it would be unlikely. No, perhaps I'm using the wrong word there. Um, the odds on it. Uh, Wiltshire Council approving road closure are not in not in the favour of the Toad Patrol. Um, so there then comes the question: Is that good money spent when we when we're yeah we've had good indications that it would be unlikely to, to to gain success. Also in that time, we became aware, um, thanks to a student at Warminster School actually. We became aware that there's a system used very widely in Europe um, of putting a fence up with with uh, buckets set into the ground to to um, prevent the toads going into the road, and then they work their way along and eventually drop into one of these buckets. And yes, those buckets have to then be emptied 
you know, periodically. But this is a system that we know 800 sites in Germany use it. It's extensively used in Austria, it's extensively used in Holland and across Europe. So that then raised the question of, well, if it's working so well in so many sites across Europe, is it something that could work here? Um, so we deferred a decision on closing the road to investigate with the tow patrol, Sustainable, Warminster and any other um, interested parties, whether that system would work in Warminster. And I think that's the correct way to do it. Um, and you know, yeah, Looking at it at the moment costs nothing. And if it is viable, um, yes, you know, you've got to buy fence and, 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 and so on, but that is far less than, than um, the cost of asking Wiltshire Council to, to look at it. And then even if Wiltshire Council, in the unlikely event, I think probably that Wiltshire Council did approve it, there's then an annual cost of managing the road closure. Um, so it's just a matter of looking what, what is the best way of doing it and what is the most cost-effective way of doing it? Mm. And that's where we are. And the, the, I think that the system can be a bit challenging, can't it? Because everybody wants to see action. And I was at the, the event with Richard Kluwer a couple of mm. weeks ago where this was raised. And Wiltshire Council very much say, well, it's, it's for the, the town council to look at it and come to us with a, uh, if they feel strongly about it, which... Of course it is, but that comes at a cost, doesn't yes, it? Yeah, and that, that's yeah. the trouble with the, the, the whole system. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the council is not against the road closure. Uh, you know, I'll make that clear. But what we want to do is make sure that we are looking at the best value for money uh, proposal and, and go forward with that. Because ultimately, I guess, if it does cost a significant amount of money, then uh, that is going to have to be raised somehow, exactly. probably through the precept, I would imagine. Yes, yeah. And I don't think anybody would forgive us for spending 10 to 15k asking Wiltshire Council to look at it. Um, you know, and then it comes back with a negative response you know, from, from Wiltshire Council. And, you know, I, I think we would rightly be accused of wasting precept money then. Mm -hmm. uh, now, talking of uh, money, um, a lot of money was uh, given to uh, Warminster Town Football Club yes. uh, at the council meeting. Yes. Um, now, this is what's called sill money, isn't it? Just yeah. ex explain to, uh, to people listening what sill money is, because it's not council tax money, is it? Absolutely not. No, sill money is community infrastructure levy money. That money comes from developers. Uh, so when developers, part of you know, the agreement with uh, Wiltshire Council, with developers, is that they contribute a sum of money to, um, to the community for use to improve the community. And um, you know, we, we get a proportion of it and Wiltshire Council get a proportion of it. So um, over time, you know, we, we accumulate a sum of money and we have a, a, a working group that looks at what's the best way to spend that money for the benefit of the community. And we had a request from Warrenster Town Football Club um, for a contribution towards upgrading their, their floodlights. And um, 
you know, it, it, it took a bit of work to get their proposal um, uh, suitable to, to justify um, giving the money. Um, but, you know, the crux is, you know, at the moment they've got um, very expensive to run halogen, I think it's halogen lighting system. Um, and on top of it being very expensive to run, the 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 uh, light filaments um, are also very expensive to replace. They don't last long, and they are they are going out of production. So um, you know when their supply of replacements runs out, that's it. And therefore, they wouldn't have floodlights. And if they haven't got floodlights, um, then they can't continue to play in the in the league. Uh, uh, and I understand also that the current floodlights. Um, when they're reassessed in 18 months' time, as they, they are periodically assessed by the by the league, um, they wouldn't meet the standards. Um, so there were yeah, an awful lot of factors. Um, the football club committee themselves raised or you know committed to uh, £10,000. I think 10 committee members um, guaranteed a loan of £1,000 each. So they put in ten thousand, and the the council have put in uh, thirty thousand, uh, so that they can replace all their lights with LED lights, which are last much longer mm. and uh, cost a fraction to run of what the current lights run. So we saw that as a you know, Warmester Football Club is very much a benefit to the community, and uh, you know, a community asset that that we wouldn't want to lose and saw that as a good use of, of community money. And, and it will also enable them, because they can switch the floodlights on more often, they can run more more events for, you know, particularly for the you know, youth teams and, and, um, and so on of Warminster. Hmm. Uh, it's nice to see that developers' money is going back into the community. Um, I know um, a contribution was made to the Chapel of St. Lawrence from the same fund as well recently, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah, for the stained glass window mm-hmm. and the um, the bell tower floor, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, we're talking about developers, brings us on nicely to Boar Hill Farm. Yes. Um, and the, the application there. Just update us on where we are because there was one which I think was then withdrawn, wasn't there? Yes, it but was. But now it's back. It was withdrawn and, uh, yeah, it has been resubmitted. And as far as I can see, it's pretty much the same as, as, as the previous um, application. So, yeah, that has been submitted and is currently in the, the planning system and we'll, we'll go to Wiltshire Council for their consideration. And the town council's view is the town council um, objected to it. Um, when was the planning meeting? Two weeks ago, was it? Um, so yeah, pl- uh, yeah, the town council have objected to it um, on on many grounds. That, you know, all were previously stated on mm-hmm. on the previous application. You know, a lot of a lot of grounds around environmental issues, um, but there's also the uh, the issue of odors em- emitted by the biodigester. And there's also evidence of these biodigesters in other parts of the country exploding. So mm-hmm. there's a, you know, there's, I don't know how big that risk is, but there is a risk of, of, of that, um, which is also a factor. So we await Wiltshire Council planning officers Absolutely. to, to yes. make a decision. Yeah. 
Lovely. Okay, well, thank you very much, Phil, for coming in. Do you have My any pleasure. mayoral duties coming up? Yeah, I've got a calendar? few coming up. Um, uh, next week, I shall be at the Chat Cafe on Thursday um, with uh, uh, Back Health Development, um, who have made a very um, significant contribution to the Chat Cafe to enable them to to run um, for, I think they've, they've pretty much funded one of their chat cafes for, for a year. So um, I should be there. Um, I'm also opening, there's a new Indian restaurant opening up on uh, East Street, the uh, Coriander Lounge. Um, so they've asked me to open that and I should be doing that. And then I think early March is there's um, the Rule of Law service at Salisbury Cathedral, Ooh. which is a, a wheelchair-wide thing. And uh, I, I'm planning to attend that as well. Excellent. Uh, you mentioned the um, the chat cafe there. That has reminded me that we, we ought to just mention the food bank yes. um, moving to the Athenaeum. Um, now, uh, they're moving out of a town council premises, but mm. we I think we should say that the town council are uh, and staff and uh, others are, are giving them lots of support to do this, aren't, aren't they? Oh, absolutely, yeah. The, the, the town council uh, staff and officers of... Um, you know, help them plan the move and, and, you know, are assisting them physically in the move. And um, so, yeah, they have a new home now in the Athenaeum, um, which, you know, vacates Dewey House where they were, which is um, a council building and a very old building, as we know, very expensive to run. And uh, so that will enable the council to sell that building and um, generate funds for the council to to invest and, and get an income. And um, yeah, the new home at the Athenaeum is, is, uh, you know, is very suitable for them. And it, it also generates a, a, you know, a valuable income for the Athenaeum and help them with their running costs as well. So I think it's a win-win all round, really. The Mayor of Warminster, Councillor Philip Keeble. He'll be back next month, and if you would like to steer the conversation, then let me know. Andrew.Robinson at wcrfm.org.uk is where you can send your questions to. Now a look back at the last seven days of local news. WCR Newsweek. Headline. Vandalism at St John's. Guilty plea from teen thugs. Normal food bank service continues. Redevelopment plans for John Barleycorn. And Civic Centre to host police drop-in. All this and more this week on Newsweek. Vandalism at St John's. St John's Church in Warminster was closed to members of the congregation this week following severe vandalism. Last month, the church's graveyard had been attacked by vandals who overturned flowers and ornaments left at the graves. The vandals did similar damage inside the church. It is believed that the perpetrators then returned last Tuesday in order to commit arson. George Tabbott said that Parishioners were incredibly sad that they now have to lock the church outside of service times. He said, Of great concern 
evidence of an arson attempt was discovered with charred remains of paper and linen found in close proximity to tinder dry wooden furniture. On describing that chaos left behind in both the church itself and the graveyard, Mr. Tebbett said, As with the vandalism within the church building, these acts are completely thoughtless and most disrespectful of people's finest resting place. Quite a few families come and visit the graves, and it has been particularly distressing. Wiltshire police are investigating the criminal damage, and a spokesperson said... During the incidents, damage has been caused to curtains and microphones and flowers and toys thrown around the building. It is also believed altar cloths have been burnt. Anyone with information is urged to call 101. Guilty pleas from teen thugs. Three teenagers who targeted a property and its residents in Fishton de la Mer on three occasions have pleaded guilty to aggravated burglary. They first stole a BMW on the 11th of December. On the 23rd of December, they broke into the garage and stole a hedge trimmer, golf clubs and other items. On the 27th that month, they broke in and carried out an aggravated burglary involving firearms and stole an Audi. The three suspects, aged from 15 to 16 years old, appeared at Salisbury Crown Court on Wednesday last week. They have all been released on bail and are due to be sentenced on Friday the 15th of March. Advice on protecting your home from burglars is available on the Wiltshire Police website. Normal food bank service continues. Despite moving from their current location in Dewey House to the Athenaeum Centre, Warminster and District Food Bank will continue to serve the community and contact details will remain the same. Access to the food bank will be via an entrance along the close just off the high street. The food bank is staffed by volunteers and will benefit from moving to a suitable space in a permanent home. Dewey House is to be sold by the town council. Warminster Food Bank manager Jean Colgrave said, We are grateful to the wonderful community of Warminster for the generous support we receive. Opening hours for Warminster and District Food Bank will be Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Fridays 9am to 12.30pm. Redevelopment plans for the John Barleycorn. The former John Barleycorn pub in Weymouth Street is a Grade 2 listed building which has lain empty for the past decade. Some evidence has been found that the basement structure may have been built before the 1830s. Plans to redevelop the building into housing have now been submitted to Wiltshire Council. The application is to demolish part of the building and turn it into nine flats. The plans also include two two-storey townhouses within the existing car park. A decision is due in early March and the deadline for consultation is Friday the 16th of February. Civic Centre to host police drop-in. An event next Friday is to be held at Warminster Civic Centre and will enable Warminster residents to meet their neighbourhood policing officers. Residents are encouraged to attend and use the opportunity to raise any concerns that they may have about their community. The drop-in event will run from 2pm to 3pm. Security wristbands for dementia sufferers. A new high-tech scheme to help dementia sufferers if they become lost or disorientated has been launched by Wiltshire Police. The wristbands were first launched by Avon and Somerset Police in 2015. They contain a microchip that can be loaded with identification and residential details, as well as details of next of kin, 
by members of the sufferers' families. A smartphone can scan the bands and the information will be displayed. The wristbands can be obtained from the Wiltshire Bobby Van, Alzheimer's Support and Carer Support Wiltshire for those who are identified as needing them. Wiltshire Council on the buses. A new public transport strategy that will inform the county's bus services up to 2038 has been endorsed by Wiltshire Council. This follows a public consultation and details 13 policies that aim to improve public transport in Wiltshire. Councillor Caroline Thomas, Wiltshire Council Cabinet Member for Transport, said, Since the pandemic, the use of buses has changed considerably, with fewer people commuting during the week and more people using buses for leisure, particularly at the weekends. This new strategy reflects this change and our commitment to increase bus passenger numbers by updating and adapting our bus network. She continued that the public transport strategy will now form the basis of our future bus services as we look to reevaluate the Wiltshire bus network into 2024-25 in full consultation with our communities. A revised bus service improvement plan is now being worked on by the Council. This will be submitted to the Department for Transport in the summer. More information about the public transport strategy can be found on the Wiltshire Council website. Illegal fishermen hooked. A 23-year-old man from Trowbridge was caught fishing illegally at Shearwater Lake last July. Damien Bocek appeared before Swindon magistrates on the 30th of January this year. He pleaded guilty to the charge of fishing for freshwater fish or eels without a rod licence and was given a fine totalling £303. This fine included costs and a victim surcharge. The cost of a day licence to fish at Shearwater Lake is just £6. Licences can be obtained from the Environment Agency, who carry out enforcement work all year round. Seeing clearly for 60 years. This year sees the 60th anniversary of Warminster Lions Club collecting donated and no longer needed spectacles. As part of the Lions Recycle for Sight project, these glasses are then provided free to those in poorer countries who need them. A district collection point in Chichester is where the pairs of around 4,000 to 5,000 spectacles are delivered. Richard Owen, Lion member, said... As an international organisation, this process is repeated many times worldwide through many different Lions clubs who aim to serve their local communities and those in less fortunate circumstances. Pay deal row continues at Warminster Hospital. On Wednesday the 14th of February, healthcare workers at six hospitals in Wiltshire, including Warminster, will take strike action to protest the decision not to award them £1,655. That amount was awarded last June to those working on NHS contracts. Those working for Wiltshire Health and Care were not included in the deal. Thomas Simblett, an assistant practitioner at Warminster Hospital, said the staff were left demoralised after a strike in December which had no effect. He said, Wiltshire Health and Care should do the right thing and pay up. Staff feel devalued and don't understand why they've been excluded when other NHS organisations have made the payment. Southwest Regional Organiser for Unison, Jane Jackson, said, The lump sum would make a huge difference. It would also make financial sense for Wiltshire Health and Care, as the extra cash could be just the thing to persuade disillusioned workers not to quit the firm for good. 
The walkout is being organised by Unison and members voted 95% to back the strike action. Next on Around Warminster, the first in a series of interviews about fostering in Wiltshire. Here's my colleague, Barry Mole. So, joining me in the studio now, I'm pleased to welcome Kerry Lee Povey from Five Rivers Charity for Child Welfare. Good morning. Good morning, Barry, and thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, we've got uh, four of these little sections on subsequent weeks talking about childcare and fostering and all that sort of thing. So, what's our first, uh, first little section we're going to talk about today? So I thought for our first section, we would cover actually becoming a foster carer and what that involves. So I work for Five Rivers, as you said, and we are a social enterprise. So we're non-profit making and our anything we do goes back into our um, organisation for all of our young people and carers. Um, so today... I wanted to discuss what happens first. So if you're sat there thinking, well, maybe, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could be a foster carer. Um, obviously, you'd make contact with us. That's either through our website or um, which I'll give the details for at the end. Okay. Um, and we've got a phone number you can call as well to speak to our friendly carer inquiries line. And we also, then you would go through what we would call an initial an initial visit. So when you first think, hmm, I wonder if I could do that and I wonder if that's for me, when you make that phone call or that email, you're, you're not committing to anything. And there is a process, and it's a process because it's a very dedicated role. This is a vocation. This is a job. This isn't just something, you know. It can't be taken lightly. It really can't. No, it really can't. you need can't. to think about it. You do need to think about it. And that's why our supporting social workers that work with me um, take you through that process. And it's, it takes usually between four to six months to go through that process. And the reason why it does take that long is because, as you've just said, you know, it's an important decision to make. And... Just because you make that phone call, you even have that initial visit with a social worker, you are free at any time to go, do you know what, I don't, I don't think this is for me. Or, yes, I'm happy and I, and I wish to continue. So that's how becoming a foster carer kind of starts. And then we look at, when you go through that process, we don't just take your name and address and three children turn up. Oh, no. no. <laughs> um, I'd be horrified yeah, if that Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think some people generally worry about that. And, it, yeah. and I'll be honest with you, it wasn't until I worked in the fostering sector I realised just how much does go into becoming a foster carer mm -hmm. and how much support is there for our carers. Right. So you initially do a set of training which is called Skills to Foster. So that will give you all your initial tools to help you um, with your young people. Mm -hmm. And then the training throughout your fostering care in life is continuous. So there's always, um, there's mandatory training, obviously. You've got to do your, your health and safety and things like that. But many, many other avenues of training, which is constantly offered to our carers. Um, 
and the support around for our carers. So if you do become a carer, you will have what we call a supporting social worker. So they are like your port of call and they will look after you and your family. Then you have people like me who are fostering support workers. So I come out and I work within the home. I'm not just there for that young person. I'm there for carers. I'm there for birth children or anybody else that lives within the home. I'm there to support anyone, everyone there. And that might involve me doing a dedicated piece of work with the young person because we feel they need some extra support in a certain area. It might mean I do work with the birth with your birth children because um, to help support them to understand what's um, what's coming along. And we also all the foster and support workers um, we have something called participation so we do fun days out we do events and things like that to encourage all of our families to come nice. along too then we have our group of um, clinical physicians that work within five rivers so they're there to support as well and they are there for advice they are there to put plans in place yeah. to for help with your family and your young person in so place that's, that's an introduction uh, that is an that's introduction. Our, our little first section if people already are interested uh, how do they contact you so we have um, our local fostering number for our Salisbury office is 01722 435 750 and on the end will be our friendly care inquiries team and they will ask all the questions and can I say before people phone in if they're sat there thinking one of the biggest things that we always miss in recruitment is you must have a spare bedroom. <laughs> so some people it, phone up and they it, go... We've got a shed down there. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Or, or a tent. Yeah. <laughs> That's not viable, unfortunately. No. So, yeah, so, but literally all you need to even bedroom. consider this is a spare bedroom. Okay. Yeah. All right, so. well, thank you very much. Um, thank you for our first in our section. We've got uh, three more to do in subsequent weeks dealing with different aspects of fostering. Uh, so for the time being, thank you very much, and we'll thank see you, you next week. Thanks, Kerry. Thanks, Barry. A great interview there all about fostering. We'll have more on that uh, in the coming weeks here on Around Warminster. Now, Barry is still with me. We're going to do a quiz. Uh, so you're ready to do a quiz then? I think so. An ever quiz. An ever quiz. Will it ever As start? ever. That's yes. the question. Shall we get that? Maybe it's someone called Ever. Quiz of the week. Quiz of the week. Quiz of the week. Quiz of the week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and jelly spoons. Thank you. Ladies and jelly spoons. Yes. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Right, are you ready? Yeah, let's get this over with. Okay, Quiz Family Rob... You're not going to like this. Quiz oh, Family Robinson, yeah. 90%. Oh, dear Lord. Let's hope it was easier than last week's. E Maureen phoned up this morning and said, yes. I hope you told Andrew off about that quiz last week. It was very difficult. D oh, dear, I'm sorry, Maureen. Yeah, I'm she sorry. Was, she was incensed. <laughs> was she? She actually had sympathy for me for a change. Gracious, that's yeah. unusual. Yeah. Okay, here we go then. Here we go then. Question one. What is my question? Evercreech Junction is for what type of transport? Planes, trains or automobiles? Trains. That's correct. 10%, 10%, Who is the manager of Everton Football Club? Sean Deitch, Chris Wilder, or Vincent Company? Vince Wilder. What? 
Didn't you say Vince Wilder? No. What? Who did you say then? Sean Dyche, Chris Wilder, oh, Chris or Wilder. Vincent Company. Uh, Chris Wilder. Uh, no, it was Sean Dyche. Oh. What nationality was Edmund Hillary, the first person to reach the summit of Mount Everest? God, blimey. You're straining the leash on that one, aren't you? Oh, dear. Uh, Was he Canadian? Was he a New Zealander or an Australian? Uh, New Zealander. That's correct. 20%. 20%. 20%. 20%. 20%. Everest. Oh, dear, oh, dear. How you can sleep at night, I, I just don't know. don't know. Nicola Walker played Ruth Evershed in what TV series? New Tricks, Spooks or Silent Witness? <sighs> oh. Run through them again. New Tricks, Spooks or Silent Witness? Uh, let's go for new tricks. It was spooks. Ah. Uh, oh, you knew it wasn't Silent Witness. I didn't did, you? yes. Yes, because uh, yes, we're fans of Silent mm. Witness. And I know Nicola Walker very well, but mm. I hadn't watched either of the uh, other two series. Well, they're very good. Yeah, That's I'm sure they good, are. Yes. Sure yeah, they yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. Number five. Rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> the Everglades National Park is yes. in which US state? California, Montana, or Florida? Florida. That's correct. 30%. So at the halfway point, you're on 30%. That's not too bad. Not too bad. Are you ready for your next question? Yeah, go for it. Okay, question six. Who was appointed as... So there's some poor grammar coming up here. I'm sorry. Oh. Okay, but is the, I've got to get Ever in there somehow. Okay. Who was appointed as the first ever Republican First Minister of Northern Ireland last weekend? <laughs> was it Michelle O'Neill, John O'Dowd or Connor Murphy? Michelle O'Neill. That's correct. 40 percent, 40%, 40%, 40%. 40%. Happily Ever After is a fireworks show at which Disney theme park? Epcot, Animal Kingdom or Magic Kingdom? Magic Kingdom. Correct. 50%, 50, 50%, 50%. 50%. 50%. Of course, it helps if you've seen it and been there. Yeah, well, And, and I have. Yeah, I have. Go, yes. As a very, very small pensioner, I've been there. <laughs> Uh, what question eight? Yeah. What is the oldest nation state in the world? Is it Egypt, Afghanistan, or Greece? Uh, Greece. No. No. It's Egypt. Now I said Greece because this question wasn't prepared by me. Ah. It was prepared by Katie of Robinson. Oh, I see. Uh, and I said she's Greece. a marked woman now. You know. uh, so, tell, oh, her, tell her that. Okay. Her that. She yeah. won't like that. I've yeah. dropped her in it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll be in trouble. Yeah. Um, so I thought Greece, but no, it's not Greece. It's Egypt. Egypt. Yes. Because yes. I guess Greece was part of some kind of empire. Yeah, I suppose. Maybe before. I don't know. I thought it was a trick it's, question, yeah. actually, because everyone says Egypt. It's a bit like the pyramids question, isn't it? Which has more pyramids, Egypt or Sudan? Yes. And Sudan's got loads yes. more than Egypt. And yes. so it's a tricky one. Tri- yeah, tricky yeah. question. So let me just write her name down. Spell with an I E. Yes. Okay, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. Question nine. Nine. Actress Eva Anderson has the lead role in which 2023 film? Napoleon. Peter Pan and Wendy, 
or a haunting in Venice? Uh, I haven't a clue. I'm going to go with a haunting in Venice. Uh, no, that's Hercule Poirot. Hercule Poirot. Kenneth Branagh. Oh. Uh, Eva Anderson plays Wendy. Oh, in Peter, Peter Pan, Pan and Wendy. All oh, right. Mm. Okay. And uh, finally, question finally. 10. Yeah. Ever fallen in love was a hit for the Buzzcocks in what year? 1972, 1975 or 1978? Correct. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%. 60%.